Hello pod people and welcome to episode 5 of the Lemonade Budget for Champagne Social Butterflies, the aspirational podcast for hopeless people, just like me, your host Donna Scott, the stand-up comic who is still being forced by life to do rather a lot of sitting down, although getting stronger, getting stronger, I've passed my three-week point since surgery. How are you guys? Hope you're well. How you been having a good week? I've been having a good week. I've not actually been stuck indoors every day this week, which has been good. I've managed to get out. Um, not been able to do too much, but um, I went out on Wednesday round to a friend's house to watch a film that I'm in. Yeah, a film that I am in. What friend, you might ask? Well, um, happened to be Alan Moore and Mel Gebby's house. I went round to their house and I watched the show a very early edition of and it was really lovely of them to invite me and we, we took cake and had a lovely lovely night and I saw the film that I'm in and did I see me? Did I heck? The problem basically was that I was looking for myself wearing a pink cardigan because I just remembered very strongly that I was wearing a pink cardigan in the film except I wasn't. I, was like, I think I woke up the next morning and went I'm not wearing a pink cardigan. <laughs> I was wearing a black jacket and Neil woke up very sleepily going, what, what? But yeah, I just remembered that I'd been like fixed on the scene that I'm in looking for me to come along and, and spot myself in a pink cardigan. And I know where I'm sitting in for most of the film. I'm pretty much obscured by the wonderful Candy Kisses who plays a sort of like burlesque policewoman in this crazy court scene. And it, uh, she's in a lot of Alan Moore's films. And she's amazing. Uh, she's been a stand-up comedian herself as well. And um, she's lovely. A, a lot of my friends know her from various shows that we've we've done together. And um, yeah, so, but she, she basically obscure, obscures me from most of the film. But, but I think I'm in a bit of a blink and you miss me moment in the film. <laughs> but yeah, there's not an awful lot of me. It's like, blip. Um... But I'm available as an extra for other films. Uh, I can tell you that now. Sarah Pinbra uh, is getting her TV series for Behind Her Eyes filmed at the moment in Brighton. And I have kept dropping huge hints. Hey, I'm an experienced extra. I can come down to Brighton. Except I wouldn't. I'd still be in recovery, wouldn't I? <laughs> but um, Sarah is going to be an extra in her, her series, which is lovely. More about the film that I am in. Okay, so... I think it's absolutely brilliant. I've just seen an early version of it, but I'm really, really looking forward to seeing it out there. And it stars uh, Tom Burke. You know, oh my God, swoon, swoon, Tom Burke um, of Atos from the Musketeers. Or um, what was it? What was his name in um, that J.K. Rowling thing? Um, Cameron Strike. That's it. He's Cameron Strike in J.K. Rowling thing. But in this, he's got like a bit of a weird backwards name as well his name is Fletcher Dennis as opposed to Dennis Fletcher Fletcher Dennis and he plays this kind of like uh really cool sort of investigator of sorts but it's not quite clear what he is and I'm not going to give it away and he's been sent to Northampton of all places to track down a guy called Jimmy who is in a lot of the other Alan Moore and Mitch Jenkins films that you might have seen and um also um, a piece of jewellery that Jimmy's potentially stolen from somebody. So he's been sent to Northampton to try and find it. And Northampton in the show looks amazing. It's, it's There's some great aerial shots making it look gorgeous. And then there's the 
the, the wonderful 17th century architecture around All Saints. I mean, it, you've got to come to Northampton for the architecture. You really have. It's just it's just a brilliant little little town for that bit. Um, I mean, a lot of people sort of like don't notice it. If you live here for a long, you know, familiarity breeds contempt. And a lot of people who live here really, really hate it. But if you just like take a quiet moment, walk around that church, you'll see some amazing things. Um, the town hall, the courts, um, it's absolutely prime architecture. There's no, there's, there's no other examples of such, such good 17th century stone buildings outside of London. So yeah, Northampton looks really pretty in the film, but also it's just an incredibly funny film. It's got a lot of action in it, but it's just also very weird. In some regards, it's very like a sort of David Lynchian sort of like view of Northampton. It's very surreal, but but it's not as slow as Twin Peaks and less trees, a lot less trees, fewer trees. And who else is in this film besides myself and Candy Kisses and Tom? Swoon Swoon, Atos the Musketeer book. Um, well, because there's Mel Gibbs in it um, and Alan Moore's in it. So those are two given and Robert Goodman, the actor, he he is in it. And there's also a bit of a cameo from one of our other most famous sons, Mark Warren. Uh, he's just got a little scene, but he's in that scene along with um, my friend's daughter. So my friends are Pete Techman and Minnie Techman. So Pete Techman, a lot of comedians will know because uh, he's, he's a comedian from Northampton as well. Um, Minnie Techman, his wife, is an artist. She specialises in drawing lovely, beautiful pictures of animals. And their their daughter is an aspiring actress, and she's amazing in this. She plays like a secretary in a, a noir sort of film child detective agency, very gumshoe, and she's just brilliant. It's just lovely. And who else is in the film? Uh, apart from loads of people I know that you don't know, uh, one person you will know is Andrew O'Neill. He's in it. Yeah, Andrew O'Neill basically plays himself, but he plays a character called Brendan. So yeah, a Brendan who is a standard comedian who is vegan and, and an occultist. Um, I've, I, I, re I love some of the lines he's got though. I'm pulling standard rank on you. <laughs> You've got to see it when, when it's out. But yeah, it, it's it's weird, but it's brilliant and so so funny and of course if you watch very very carefully you might see me so yeah i have left the house once to go and see this film and once to go and visit my brother and have the nephews pull teddy bears on top of me and apart from that just once to go to the gps because my belly button started unraveling serious yeah you know i was all stapled together and i had the staples out last week so i i, I looked no more like a, like a nightdress case. Well, the, there must have been an actual stitch used rather than staples in my belly button and it started poking out. Uh, the thing is, they need to be inside you to dissolve. So we, I went to the nurse and we, we had a look at it and um, she, she tried pulling it with some tweezers and it wasn't budging, so we thought it was definitely stuck inside me and you shouldn't pull too much in case you know, I d did properly unravel. So we were then also, she sort of accidentally made a little bit of a hole in me. So what we did was we decided to poke the, the, the stitch back through the hole and hope that it would gum up a little bit by my own bodily juices. <laughs> mm, delicious. I'm not sure it's entirely worked, but we'll see.
And I can't believe it's already been three weeks since my operation. That's gone really, really quickly. But at the same time, kind of not fast enough. Uh, I'm still really sore and everything. But say that it's had a bit of a another side effect in that, you know, I had terrible eczema before I went into hospital and it's completely gone. And I was putting this down to, oh, I haven't had to go to work, so I'm not stressed. Uh, or maybe it's all the extra water I've had to drink to stay, stay hydrated. Maybe I just wasn't drinking enough before. And then my brother basically kind of burst my bubble and said, it'll be the antibiotics you've been on. <laughs> so yeah, medicine. <laughs> I don't know why I just didn't realise that. I was just thinking it was like something magic. Speaking of which, have you seen that scary Brexit shortages of medicine list that's been doing the rounds? Quite a few things that my friends are on are going to be on that list, um, that are going to be short in shortage after Brexit. Well, I'm a bit, bit surprised by one of the things that I've been relying on since I came out of hospital. There's a man who's supposed to be on ibuprofen and paracetamol, and we all know they do diddly squat. So, yeah, we've been getting paracetamol and codeine, otherwise known as cocodamol from the pharmacy. And, you know, you have to, like, go up, there's, like, go up, and they say to you, oh, is is this for yourself? And you go, yes. And they go, well, you know, you're supposed to have it for a couple of days. And you go, absolutely. And, yeah, and then they, they, they sort of give you a big, hard Paddington stare just to make sure that you really, really know um, that you're not supposed to take it for very long because they're addictive and you go, yeah, it's absolutely fine. I'm not popping them like sweets. I've got scars all up my body. <laughs> yeah, so apparently that's going to be in short supply after Brexit. But you always have that kind of like little niggler weary at the back of your head. It's like, oh, maybe I shouldn't be using Cocodamol. Maybe I am getting addicted. Uh, it's, it's, I'm not. I'm not getting addicted at all. Um, or maybe you are, though, because you haven't had a drink for a month. Uh, yeah, seriously, I'm not a drink for a month now. Do you know what? I'm not missing it. I'm not missing it at all. <laughs> it's great. <laughs> if there is anything that I've potentially developed an addiction for, it's it's probably peppermint tea, and you know, I'm not. It's but that's supposed to be good for you. It is good for you, especially good for your digestion. And I've needed a lot of help with my digestion. <laughs> I'm not entirely sure that it doesn't make your wee smell a bit weird, but um, that could be just me. Uh. <laughs> well, let's just face it. When you've had to have a catheter for a long, long time because your bladder got ripped, you tend to notice things. <laughs> Let's digress. I have had some really cool things happen this week as well. Not just been sitting here waiting for the neighbours to act weird. I am sort of waiting for the neighbours to act weird. They're mostly not acting weird this week, though. It's been really disappointing. If anything, all they're doing is walking past my window shouting too loud on their mobile phones. I don't even understand the language, so I can't even tell what the arguments are about, but nothing very interesting anyway. Oh, well, you know I w I've been a judge in some competitions? Well, this week the 2019 winner of the James White Award was announced. That is pretty brilliant. So congratulations to David Maskell, whose story Limitations was judged the winner by myself and Chris Beckett and Justina Robson. Yeah, I'm really, really happy with that story, which Chris Beckett has said is very rich in ideas. It managed to be funny and touching while playing clever games with some very exotic science. So I, I thought it was brilliant. It did some... Yeah, clever is definitely the word for it. It works with sort of like 
parallel universes and time I, I, I won't spoil it because it's going to be published in interzone very shortly and it's also going to be translated into italian to appear in mondi incantati which is an anthology of international short st- story competition winners brilliant well done well done david and also uh, well done to Michael Donoghue, because we, we also awarded a special commendation to his story, Property Crime. And it missed out by such a narrow margin, but it was really, really good. And that was a detective story about an AI. And I won't tell you too much about that story either. Hopefully you'll get to read it somewhere, but it was very, very good. Um, I really enjoyed reading all of the stories. I would encourage any new writers to enter the James White Award. I mean, you've got nothing to lose. It's only open to non-professional writers as well, so you're not going to get crowded out by the big names. And it's all anonymous as well, so we we judged each story solely on the merits of the story. And also, I'm really, really pleased to have been in a judging committee with Chris Beckett and Justina Robson, because I flipping love their novels... So Chris Beckett, you'll be aware, he won the Clark Award a few years ago for Dark Eden. And the Dark Eden trilogy is one of my favourite science fiction trilogies of all time. It's amazing. And I just go on to everybody I can as well about America City, which is his more recent novel. It seems so prescient in this day of turbulent politics and climate change. Go and check out his work. And I've been a fan of Justina Robson's ever since um, her I read... Her short story Heliotrope in Visionary Tongue, which was the short story magazine published by Storm Constantine. And yeah, me and Jamie Spratcombe became the editors of that. But this is way before we took over. And since those days, Justina has had numerous novels published, including a few things that I really love, like Mappamundi and Silver Screen and uh, the Quantum Gravity series, which has just been released again. So go and check though that out if you haven't read that already. And yeah, two great writers. Hello, Justina. Hello, Chris. So this has also been happening this week. I've, well, it didn't happen this week. It happened on August 26th, but I was looking out for it in a certain place and I completely missed it. But the SF Crow's Nest review of Best of British Science Fiction 2018 came out and it's available to read now and it's pretty fab. So it's reviewed by Eamon Murphy who has who talks about my introduction and in which I I vent my ire about a big name literary author who announced he was going to dip his toe in genre waters and write a science fiction novel about human dilemmas the implication being that the present crew of hacks in the field should be sobbing with gratitude <laughs> as she points out there's a lot of stuff out, out already doing that including the crop harvested here so yeah it's pretty good it's got some lovely mentions of Levi Tidar Alia Whiteley, Tim Major, Natalia Theodorodou, Malcolm Devlin, Dave Hutchinson, Dave Bradley, Chris Barnum, Matthew Diabetua, G.V. Anderson, Mike Morgan, J.K. Fulton, Matt Thompson, Taika Maria Smits, Sunny Dean's mentioned as well. And oh yeah, what I love it is for 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 take for take it says um possibly my favourite here in his Death of the Grapevine about an engineer who goes to fix the AI in a small independent cafe. Smits weaves in a lot of background information just by relating the conversation between man and machine while he fixes it. SF about the ordinary bloke doing his job reminds me of some of those great little stories by Philip K. Dick back in the day. 
Summarised by saying, I suspect the big name literary author mentioned in the introduction gets his idea of science fiction from the big name movies. The best of British science fiction 2018, Newcom Press gives you an interesting selection of what's happening in the written field today, or at least last year. Like its predecessors, this is a terrific collection. Enjoy. Thank you, Eamon. That's lovely. And hopefully you'll be happy to know there's going to be a 2019 edition. Yeah! It's like I might have said before, I'm aware I've, I've got a lot of hats. I am a writer, an editor, and I like to say that I do those things pretty well. But I'm also really, really good at the comedy, I promise you. I've got some gigs booked in now for my post-recovery time this year. And one for next year. So it's getting there. I'm, I'm going to start taking the comedy world by storm very shortly too. Making a start by, by submitting to stuff to Newsjack, which is the BBC thing. Yeah, I've been recorded by them before. I think it's just a lovely thing to, to try and do. Having that sort of idea of a of a deadline in, in your mind every week and then trying to write topical comedy. I mean, woo, what a week. Now it's weird. I think in times where there's a lot of political stuff going on and there's like crazy, crazy news every day, should theoretically be easy to write topical comedy. But I find it's really hard because because everybody finds it hilarious and the the internet is is just jokes it's jokes there's so many jokes i mean you have the the, the image of jacob rees mogg sort of sprawling across the front benches in in the house of commons and um i just did a challenge to people saying me me like one of your french politicians and the internet basically took that literally and there have been so many memes about Jacob Rees-Mogg, it's like, it's it's great, but it's also, you've got to be on it. Um, and if you're writing for a weekly topical show in which you submit stuff very early in the week and then things could just change by the time they get to recording, it makes things very, very challenging. <laughs> and I had thought about submitting a sketch based on a conversation I'd had on Facebook with a few people. A friend of mine, Farah Mendelssohn, she had tweeted about Great British Bake Off and Facebook had arranged it just below a, a, a thing that she'd mentioned wanting to know about how the voting process was going on in Parliament and the, the one about Bake Off underneath said like round two the technical I said suppose that is correct because this was on the day that the courts were, were deciding whether or not parliamentary process was was legal or not and the House of Lords was going to debate the issue about proroguing Parliament. And I suppose, in essence, it was the technical round after the big old vote last week. It all begs the question, what is going to be the showstopper? Because we've had 21 MPs sort of like kicked out, had their, of the party by having the whip taken away from them. And then few people crossed the floor. Philip Lee crossed the floor. A couple of other people stood down. Joe Johnson resigned. And then the internet was full of like, oh, he's resigned to spend less time with the family. Ha ha ha. That's not going in my one-liners. And then Amber Rudd resigned. Am Amber, four weddings and a funeral. Is this the funeral of your politics, Amber, Amber Rudd? Because, yeah, you know, if such a career politician is prepared to make that stance, I mean, good grief, you know things are crazy. So what, if these things have already happened, uh, what is the showstopper? Could it, I reckon it might might be Boris going to jail. I, I don't think it will be, but that would be incredible if they managed to pull that off. 
but it had a few of us thinking about analogies about what's going on in the House of Commons if it's like the Great British Bake Off tent. Yeah, I think Alison Scott, she said, um, like, oh, Dominic Cummings has, has spun a creative artwork out of sugar in the back of, back of the House of Commons, but it's completely melted when exposed to the heat of the tent. Oh, that's a good one, Alison. <laughs> but uh, I'll tell you who looked like a flipping melted piece of sugar work, and that was Jacob Rees-Mogg. I don't know. The whole situation was very surreal in that Jacob Rees-Mogg also re- resembled one of those melty watches on a Salvador Dali painting. Maybe maybe somebody has arranged him in, in some kind of like lovely biscuit diorama and it's all gone wrong. I think we've, we also missed it as well, the signature baked, which was Dominic Cummings <laughs> getting drunk and shouting at Jeremy Corbyn last week at the back of the House of Commons after the vote. Good grief. It's been very difficult to work out what else has been going on in the world. Apparently there's been some cricket, there's been some football, uh, but nobody paid any attention. At least not Bulgaria didn't pay attention because they lost four nil. I saw I saw that match. I don't even watch football. Uh, not a sporty person, as everyone knows. <laughs> I have that joke in my set about not being a very sporty person that says, "Oh, I'm the least sporty person I know." I tell a lie. I do do a bit of aerobics. I say aerobics. It is more eating an arrow and some biscuits at the same time. It actually took a, a while to get out there, that joke, because I said my, my street was being really quiet and boring. Well, some of the students decided to have a, a shouty conversation just outside the door then and I had to wait for them to stop. <laughs> so, yeah, I don't know. What, I looked outside and there was like one guy on the street, one guy on the step, and then the third person must have been at the back of the house somewhere and they were all three just shouting to each other. Students. Alas, they weren't shouting about anything very interesting, the buggers. This week I've not been a very sporty person either, for very obvious reasons, but I have been a sports widow of sorts, in that uh, Neil went and did Tough Mudder in Liverpool this this weekend, and left me by myself. So um, luckily I am able to sort of like do a little bit of cooking and stuff now. I'm not able to pick the vacuum up yet, but um, I can look after myself pretty well, so it was fine. But I have to say, proud that I am that Neil has gone and done a thing that involved a lot of teamwork, a lot of physical activity and, you know, just getting out there and doing it. Proud as I am of that and the fact that he he went all the way around and that they did it as a team, they did it together. I'm very, very annoyed. (laughs) I'm really, really annoyed with him. (laughs) Why did he do this? Not, Not for leaving me on my own. No, 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 no. For coming back. Why did he come back? <laughs> and be all injured. So he looks like a flipping autopsy. He is covered in injuries. He has very, very unusual bruising. He has got a scratch on his ass from barbed wire. I mean, barbed wire. Why is the barbed wire on this thing? Why? And... And he, he's also like got some bruising under his ribs. You know, the ribs that he broke you know, earlier this year. Uh, and, he's, and um, you know, he's got like bruises round his arms where people have just basically tried to pull him over obstacles because he couldn't really lift himself. And the reason he can't really lift himself is, of course, because he broke his wrist earlier this year. Uh, well, end of last year. And his wrist is still very, very disabled. <laughs> 
<laughs> so he's come back and he is in been in agony um and yeah i'm here three weeks post op and i've had to very gently sort of like go to the kitchen and, and fetch him like cups of tea and food <laughs> and basically look after him and he was like saying it's only for a day it's only for a day and then i'll be back looking after you <laughs> i'm like i'm very annoyed <laughs> and um i ended up having to sleep downstairs last night because i went and slept in in bed next to him and um i woke up in pain at about three in the morning and then i took my painkillers and couldn't back, back to sleep but he was one snoring two threatening to sort of like lull and just land on me because he was finding it something must have been hurting him and he was like finding it very awkward to lie straight in a in a, a non-moving position so he was just basically inching further and further over to my side i'm like i'm not having this i mean i've i have got the v pillow which i could have used as a bit of a, a sort of like bolster between us sort of a barrier but um that's not the side that i feel most comfortable on so i thought sod it i'm gonna come and sleep on the couch so i did and then I've seen the pictures and they all look really happy and they all got very drunk afterwards and whatever, whatever, whatever. It all looks very fun. But they've said, oh, you're going to do it next year. Let me think about this. No. What part of Neil coming back looking very, very injured is a clear invitation to fun? Why am I? Why would I want to do that to myself? Why would I want us both to be terribly injured together? No, it's not going to happen. <laughs> tough murder can tough off. It's it's not proper sports anyway. I mean, I've I have done a sprint triathlon. You know, I've I've swum in goose poo water myself. I've done it, and you know, you know, once you've done it, do you need to do any more? Really, I don't think you do. How about how about another team building sort of like friendship group? building thing we could do together like what we could all do instead of doing tough mudder why don't we go to a a lovely national trust house and then have tea and cakes afterwards that's that's the kind of thing i like doing not tough mudder it's just incredible isn't it it's one of those events that you know you, you do have the people who do, like, do loads of triathlons and loads of duathlons and and runs and marathons and those are the people who like they put in for lots of them and then they'll train up for those events and then that basically means that they are roughly training the entire year round and so they stay pretty pretty sporty and healthy apart from when they do the injuries which are always going to happen but tough mudders just seems to attract this mentality of people who are like don't do any sport just mainly do drinking and then they do this one thing after which they get very very larruped and then there's like oh i'm i'm very fit i did a tough mudder recently <laughs> here's my photo of me at tough mudder <laughs> you're not fit fitness remains and will forever remain an aspiration that you're doing sod in fact it's, this is probably the the key thing for this aspirational podcast for hopeless people tough mudder is is an aspirational fitness ideal for absolutely hopeless people it goes very well with this podcast so essentially i probably should do it i'll think about it it's all very very crazy out there i mean i'm constantly refreshing the the news sites uh the bbc just has latest updates in politics uh, 
uh, saying Prime Minister Boris Johnson, who's in his cabinet? Because I'm not even sure he knows anymore. There's been so many step down. <laughs> it's crazy. But they've also given him a very uh, a sort of cartoon presence with very yellow hair. And we all know it's, it's, it's more of an ice blonde than yellow. I mean, all I can tell by looking at some of the summaries of what's going to happen today is it's going to be a long day. So there are going to be a lot of comings and goings in Parliament today with rather too much of Dominic Cummings before they're all going. So I hope you find something a bit more relaxing to do with the rest of your Mondays and the rest of your week. Well, if there's going to be no government in session, then maybe all the politics will just stop. Ah, that'll be a thing. No, I can't see that happening. Anyway, you guys have a lovely time and I'm Donna Scott and I'm signing out. Bye. You've been listening to The Lemonade Budget for Champagne Social Butterflies with Donna Scott. Theme music was It Looks Like the Future But It Feels Like the Past by Dr Turtle.